This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to Thursday's edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast, the podcast that celebrates when the Yankees win their first four series of the year, which has only happened three times in the last 20 years. Is that good? I don't know. I thought this team took its foot off the gas pedal in spring training. Nope, guess not. Oh, I thought the Red Sox learned to win by starting spring training 9-0. and Ah, I guess not. It's almost like that's completely meaningless. Didn't the Royals start 13-1? and Yeah, they're 4-9 and now. Uh, and pleased to be here to talk about the Yanks' hot start with pinch hitting for Thomas Carinante. Today, it's like succession, but a lot less interesting and impactful. And we're talking about the Yankees specifically. Peter Dewey, uh, thanks for joining me, man. I really appreciate you being able to hang out, talk Yanks, and uh, we're going to address a whole lot of things. But welcome to the show before I set everything up. Thank you, Adam. I hope I can fill in as well as uh, Franchi Cordero was filled in this year. That's that's my goal for today. He can't go now. It kind of sucks for the roster. We'll talk about that a little bit later. We're going to be <laughs> taking you through. Um, we're starting off by just doing our personal bullpen trust trees. It felt like as good a time as any. Jonathan Loisaga goes down over the weekend. A couple of players step up in his absence. Tommy Canely hits the 60-day IL in the corresponding move, too. But I don't know how you feel. I'm not really worried about the bullpen at this point. My trust tree is mostly a list of trustworthy leaves rather than crunchy ones on the ground. Don't worry. We're also going to recap the Guardian series as best we can. The umpires lying to Aaron Boone. This fun little rivalry taking its next step into the realm of cheating, plus injury updates. Did Carlos Rodon suffer a setback? Seems like he kind of did. Maybe a small one was supposed to throw a bullpen yesterday. Does anybody know if that happened? No word yet. Plus the Franchi Cordero show, of course. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. That's where the audio feed will be, as well as on YouTube, Mondays and Thursdays, 2 o'clock Eastern. We appreciate you sticking with us this week, and we'd appreciate you even more if you hit subscribe, chime in on the chat, and uh, join us for the conversation. Before I toss it to you, Peter, something that I know you'll appreciate, betting, betting content. Are you a better in uh, New York, New Jersey, or Connecticut? Uh, If you aren't a better and you'd like to start being a better, that's probably better in this specific instance. Because if you are a new customer to DraftKings in New York, New Jersey, or Connecticut, We've got an offer for you. You can bet $5 on any sport, get $150 in bonus bets if your bet wins, as long as you use the code YANKSGOYARD. That's new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and wager required, 21 plus and present in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. You got a gambling problem? Well, in New York, you call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In New Jersey, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Sometimes I want to cross the border just so I can call that alternate number. Seems more fun. And in Connecticut, you can call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. See full terms at DraftKings.com or in the description below. Uh, Now let's start with the bullpen before we circle back to the most updated action. Uh, Peter, if you had to bet on this bullpen so far, you'd probably be a happy man. Uh, More often than not, The Yankees' bullpen has come up huge in their 8-4 and start to the season, even without some of the names we anticipated. And uh, yesterday they got a scare, but ultimately, I don't know, maybe it's just a feeling. Sometimes I feel like you end up in a jam against the Cleveland Guardians and you find yourself thanking God that Ahmed Rosario is up. It's been a weird (laughs) take. Steven Kwan, they can't get him out. Jose Ramirez clears the bases if he ends up coming up that inning, but you land on Rosario, and I'm always like, I think you can whiff him and clay holmes did it and that's why he's sort of uh 
He was one of my early pain points this season, and he has ended up towards the top of my trust tree. Um, but no spoilers yet. Uh, overall, before we go person by person, how confident are you in this unit? It's kind of weird. When they lose a game, it's because the bullpen faltered so far this year. The weird game in Baltimore, the late uh, you know, Jimmy Cordero uncorking wild pitches, some middle relievers taking late relief innings. Uh, the Giants game when everybody was leaky, but most of the time they've been pretty consistent. Yeah, I, I think the bullpen, especially with the injuries you have to consider, it's been a win so far this season. I am a little concerned with some of the length we've gotten from front, some of our starters. Is this sustainable for an entire 162-game season? But that's we can cross that bridge when we get there. Um, I think right now it's all about you got to win these games. But I, I think from a perspective of you look at last year's bullpen and this year's bullpen, pretty similar in terms of the names that are there. And Michael King has looked good. Wandy Peralta has looked good. Clay Holmes, like you said, looked really good yesterday uh, getting out of that jam. So I, I'm i satisfied with the bullpen. I think if you told me before the season they weren't going to have Canely, Jonathan the Wise guy, obviously you don't have Efros. If you told me at the deadline he wasn't going to be in the bullpen this year, like all things considered, you kind of have to be happy as a Yankees fan about where they're at at this point. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, Clay Holmes has uh, – I'd rather see the version of Clay Holmes I saw yesterday than the one I saw in July and August where you're just like, I don't know what's wrong with this dude and I don't know if there's a path forward. Yesterday was the Clay Holmes we're used to. He's either automatic like he was in the Orioles series or it's these very specific foibles where gets the first out of the inning immediately. Second guy goes up one-two, hits him on the foot with what's supposed to be that slider at the back foot. And you're like, I, I feel like I've seen that a hundred times. It's like, all right, we'll move on. Uh, then he immediately puts the ball on the ground again. You can't turn two because Miles Straw is fast. Pinch hitter comes up. He loses the strike zone. Uh, eight balls and nine pitches. And for most pitchers, you'd be nervous and you'd say, well, that's, I mean, that's not, it's not good. Like if you lose a strike zone in the middle of an opportunity, you're trying to pick up a save. It's hard to find it again. But he hits, he clips the corner on Rosario with one slider. And so everybody, John Flaherty said it in the game. He's like, oh, he found the slider. Like, you keep going to that pitch. You could probably get out of this. He goes to it two more times. One more clips the corner. One more just off the corner. Rosario swings over. Um, Holmes is my number two on my bullpen trust tree at this point, but he's still my closer. Um, my number one, I just can't, I can't quit Wandy Peralta. And I think it's something about the pitch clock. Um, I just know when Wandy comes in that I'm not only getting. He, he pitched to the pitch clock before the pitch clock even existed. I just know I'm going to get the quickest inning of all time. And if he's he's mostly going to be around the zone, if he's going to get hit, he's going to hit, get hit quickly. Um, but I'm not really going to be wasting time, not a lot of mound visits, not a lot of confusion. Either he's got it or he doesn't. And when he does, the inning is eight pitches long. So uh, some of this is postseason 2022 biased. I feel like he leveled up a little bit last year. But Holmes is my number two, and he's my number one. I know Holmes is your number two. You have a slightly different number one than me. Yeah, I'm I'm going Michael King number one. I think Michael King has kind of become the the high leverage Chad Green of this bullpen. Like they, the Yankees prior to uh, Chad Green going down with Tommy John last year, like you needed an out, you brought Chad Green into the game. That was the move. And now Michael King, not only can he do that, but he's doing it at length. He's giving you multiple innings, and this is going back to last year he was doing it. Um, I just think the, the thing for me with Michael King is the strikeout stuff. When he is on, he's unhittable. So 
I, I, there's days that Wandy looks very good. There's days that Holmes looks very good, but you did make a good point about Holmes. Like some, it, for him, it's batter to batter. One batter, he looks like the best pitcher in baseball. And the next one, you're like, is the role this Chapman back in the bullpen? Like what is going on here? So um, Michael King, I just think when he's on, he has the best stuff in this pen, uh, probably outside of the wise ago. Well, obviously they don't have him right now. So um, I have him as my number one. I have Holmes as my number two. Cause I just think, over this last year and a half, really since they acquired him, he's exceeded all expectations um, to this point. So I think it would be foolish not to have him in that number two spot. Like he is their best option as the closer. And I, I would be very surprised if he relinquished that role this year, it's going to take him like really faltering. Cause last year he kind of struggled and then he started to pick it back up again towards the end of the year. So um, yeah, that's, that's my one, two for sure. I would agree with that, and and I moved King up to my number three slot just because uh, first two outings of the season, he was not vintage Michael King. Uh, the stuff was ticking down. He was answering questions about Velo being down two miles an hour, and he was answering them with cryptic statements, which is not what you want, where he was saying, my elbow's fine. I just don't know. Maybe I'm messed up. Maybe my motion's messed up. Hey, maybe my home life's messed up. Like he's, You feel like he's one sentence away from being like, you fix it or whatever, and it's like, I don't know. It, it's just... He wasn't hostile, but he was kind of like, yeah, I wish I knew. And when you hear that, it's kind of like death of a salesman, like, ah, shit. Um, to the point where when Loisaga went on the IL, everybody sort of thought King was the corresponding move. They were like, all right, so King's obviously going on the IL. He can't figure it out. Uh, but in Baltimore over the weekend, he's awesome. Yesterday, the bullpen puts up f- five no-hit innings to help win that game. And he provides two of them, and he provides them on 25 pitches. Uh, and the stuff was back fastball back up to 96 slider down the corners again not lingering in the zone like when trey turner punished him last week in the phillies game that really got my alarm bells going and got people asking those questions he looks basically back to normal and i think uh ultimately if we can get another month of this my top three looks like yours it's king holmes wandy but for now it's just wandy holmes king because i know what i'm getting with wandy and i still need a little more evidence that king is back to normal now, it's first of all, it's just so nice doing these trust trees with Adoroldis Chapman and Zach Britton. Uh, I appreciate you bringing, bringing Chapman up. I don't have to think about him anymore. He, he started the year with four shutout innings, throwing 103 with eight Ks for the Royals, and it's just like, cool. Like, I don't, I don't care. I don't have to be the person who reads the stories about how he discovered a new pitch this year and the splitter's going to change everything. I can just sit back here and let him do that for Kansas City and let the Braves trade for him at the deadline, and he's, he's not in my life, which is, which is awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm very glad to not have to sweat anymore. Earl the Chapman can't find the zone ninth innings. I just and I mean Boone obviously went away from him last year, but it was just so frustrating when you knew at times over his Yankees tenure there were better options back there, and they just kept throwing him out there in these these save situations. And you just the thing for me with Chapman is I think uh, Yankees fans, all of us are a little bit spoiled. We had 20 years of Mariano Rivera. Like when the ninth inning has never been a issue, obviously anything that is less than that, you're going to find some, you know, people are going to get nitpicky. And for the most part, there were, there was a early in his Yankee tenure, like Chapman was great, but you know, the, the smile on the Altuve home run, everything seemed to go downhill after that. And it's just, I, I would rather see him, if he's going to pitch well for a, a below 500 team in Kansas city, go for it. I do not want him being the guy we have to trust at the end of games. It just wasn't working the last two years. No, I mean, you end one season with a home run, you get more scrutiny, you end two in a row with a home run ostensibly. Then I think you should probably be removed from the closers role. And it took another year and a half or so. Um, but without Chapman and Britain, the middle part of this bullpen 
featuring some names none of us expected to see, featuring some names that were not on the opening day roster. Aaron Boone's mystery roster move after day one has, has stuck around so far. Um, you and I have, there's an obvious number four here, and it's Ron Marinaccio, who I'm a mm-hmm. little bit concerned about only because uh, the Guardians were all over that changeup yesterday. For whatever reason, they were spitting on it. It's second straight outing where the pitch count is too high. Baltimore, he struggled to. Um, we know what he can do. We know what a weapon that pitch is, but the command isn't totally there right now. Uh, doesn't concern me long term, just in the four spot right now. That's where the elite relievers stop. But I've got Ian Hamilton fifth and Colton Brewer sixth. I don't know why I have Colton Brewer sixth, but I do. Um, I don't mind seeing either of those people come into a baseball game for the New York Yankees in 2023. I don't mind it at all. And I, in fact, can rock with Ian Hamilton. Yeah, I, I like what Hamilton's done so far this year. He's got a 1.81 FIP. Like, I know it's only been a few outings, but he's looked good um, to start. It's just, it's so volatile with some of these guys. Like, I mean, I don't want to, like, take off of, like, Cordero and uh, and even Brewer because I have, I have Brewer further down my list. Um, I have actually Albert Abreu up higher, which uh, he's had a, a average start to the season. I don't know if I'm blinded by the uh, – God, what year was it now? Was it 2021? End of the season, Albert Abreu was actually extremely solid, and that's what I'm hoping he's going to be. But um, these last four, like, there's nobody. I think you made a good, you made a good point. Like, there's nobody I don't want to see come into the game, which I think is a bright side. I think there's a lot of teams. There's a guy in their bullpen. They're like, I hope to God we don't have to put this guy in a, a big spot. Like, I don't think the Yankees have that issue. I think the top four are very obviously the top four. And then you there's a, a definite drop-off. But, um, I mean, we kind of saw with Marinaccio last year. Like, nobody really expected him to be this important of a piece. And now it's like, hey, this guy's got to be no question in the middle of the bullpen. So maybe Hamilton becomes that guy. Maybe Brewer or Abreu becomes that guy. I think it's uh, – they it's they don't have a problem here. So I'm, I'm fine with these guys. I know we have a different order at the end. Um I wouldn't love them if they're, you know, having to pitch an eighth inning in a one-run game. But, like, I'm also not deathly afraid if one of these guys comes into the game. I admit that I'm biased. You have Cordero last. I have Cordero second to last with Abreu bringing up the rear. Abreu has objectively thrown seven innings with a zero ERA so far this year. That's Mm -hmm. true. Seven innings, seven Ks, 1.14 whip. He did surrender. You put him into a high-leverage-ish uh, you know, situation on Sunday in Baltimore. Nestor comes out with second and third one out. First pitch, two-run double uh, off Albert Abreu. Both those runs score. Um, for me, it's just it's it's personal biases, and it's just the fact that I don't want I he's the one guy who I don't want to see in a tight game. It, you know, five-run, six-run game. Uh, if Albert Abreu is the worst guy in my bullpen, or if Jimmy Cordero is the worst guy in my bullpen, then I have a pretty good bullpen. Both of those guys can come into any scenario that is not the highest of leverage. I would equate Cordero to Miguel Castro last year, and he was getting like sixth inning opportunities. So like if Cordero is right at the back of the train, then that's that's not so bad at all. Dude throws 97, 98. And the other day in, in Baltimore sort of came in, gave up a bomb, but then shook it right off. I mean, there are worse things than getting tagged by Adley Rutschman. Uh, you have him last, and I think that's completely reasonable. I'm not going to argue with like, oh, you got to take Cordero out of there. For me on Abreu, it's just I think Cordero can be used in a high leverage situation. I wouldn't want to do that. Abreu, I would stay away from him almost across the board in that situation. I think I think that's a fair point. I I guess uh, 
the Cordero thing, like I just want, like he has the stuff. I think he definitely has the stuff, better stuff than Abreu does. Um, I just also want to see him succeed in those high leverage. I want to see, honestly, we're going to need a few more games to like see where these, how these guys pitch. Cause everybody's eventually going to have to be used in some of these high leverage spots. Like for example, I'd be surprised if Michael King is available today um, cause he pitched two innings yesterday. So you're going to maybe have to see somebody else tonight um, in a big spot. And I think the more we kind of see that, the, the more defined these trees can get. I have Cordero last just that, that, on paper, you look at his numbers so far this year, it doesn't look as great. Um, he's got a 5.31 FIP, like two runs in three and two-thirds innings. But, again, it's we're kind of throwing – like I said, I'm comfortable with any of these guys coming into these into these games. Like, I feel like you're, we're, I'm kind of nitpicking with how his performance has been because you're right. You Abreu on the surface, it's like, oh, he hasn't given up a run, but he came in a big spot and he gave up a, a double in the Herodin Rudder score. So, um I, th- I think uh, those last four, you can kind of interchange it. We might be able to interchange this last four by day, by, you know, early on in this season. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, Cordero is going to get some run today against Minnesota, I'm sure. And, and we'll we'll probably flip our opinion there. But <laughs> um, the one wrench and the curveball throwing here that, that we didn't talk about is at some point. I think Clark Schmidt has to go back in here. Uh, where do you put Clark Schmidt? if he ends up back in the bullpen after Marinaccio, after the clear top four or behind a Hamilton type. Cause I'm, I'm inclined to put him sixth. Interesting. I almost have Clark Schmidt and Marinaccio on the same level. I'm, I'm still a Clark Schmidt believer. It's not been a good start to the year. I'm very like disappointed. Cause I was hoping, and I think this is kind of just the issue of like, we have all these Yankees top pitching prospects. You just want to see these guys succeed because we've watched Garcia completely fall off the face of the earth since his, his debut. And we watched chance Adams never really end up getting a legitimate shot. And then he gets DFA. So like, I was like, don't let this be Clark Schmidt's fate. I don't think it's going to be Clark Schmidt's fate, but in the bullpen, I mean, last year he was one of the guys towards the end of the year. I probably had the most confidence in again, the strikeout stuff is I think really important there. Um, I would probably have him fifth, uh, I also just like the ability he's going to give you. He can give you multiple innings, which I think is is very underrated um, in, with this group, especially because there just aren't as many. Um, they're not going as deep into games with some of these starters, especially if Burrito's still in the rotation. I don't think they're going to want him to go more than five, five, five and a third innings in games. So um, I'd throw him fifth. I think he's going to end up back there. I just think if you're whenever Road owner Severino, what the first one that comes back, like the logical decision is clark schmidt to the bullpen um it's unfortunate but that that's where i want to have him yeah god i wonder I, they, they they've got to do it right you, you can't if johnny brito continues to be johnny brito you you can't send him because uh, yeah, they're not sending him to the bullpen they're sending him back to scran just to hang out on, on the bus with the boys so um clark schmidt uh their flashes their fits their spurts but even the best Clark Schmidt start was yesterday when, when the umpires made him come back out there with no warning and no warm-up pitches and, and go back and throw some more baseball in the first inning. Four solid innings against the Guardians team that should have really bothered him, and he ended up getting out relatively unscathed, but still, that's the best Clark Schmidt start, and it's four innings long. And, yeah. and that's the first Herman Schmidt start that the team has won this year. They're, they're eight and four and they had previously lost every start that their fourth and fifth starters had made, depending on what you consider Brito. 
Um, but it, I mean, yeah, it's, it let's, it's a natural segue to, to talk about this Cleveland series where things couldn't have gone worse to start yesterday. Um, it, things couldn't have gone worse to start the opening game of the series where the bullpen held on for dear life. They start the game again, Shane Bieber, Domingo Herman, who's tuning in for that one. If you're just <laughs> objectively like trying to pick a Yankee game to miss that's top of the pile, uh, second and third, no outs against Bieber in the first two runs already in, they don't score again. Uh, they get the tying run to third with no outs in the eighth inning against the most annoying man in baseball and the heart of the order up. And we go pop out, strike out, strike out. They don't score. Um, you could make it all the way to the end of the year and not get a more frustrating Yankee game than that. It's obviously one of the first 15 games of the season. You know, who really cares in the grand scheme of things? But you might. Depends what happens, but there's a solid chance that's a top five most frustrating game of the year by the time the year ends, just individually. And they shrug it off. Uh, they beat the hell out of Hunter Gaddis on Tuesday and win that game 11-2. And they battle back for an all-important win yesterday. The umpire uh, tries his best to uh, take some, put some Guardians runs on the board. And then, I mean, it's almost, you, you can't write that, he puts two runs on the board with umpire malfeasance and then gives the Yankees an extra run later by getting hit in the head with the baseball. Um, th this game had it all. And I called the Orioles series losing the first, winning the next two, the most impressive of the first three series. This was even more impressive than that. It's the same thing against a better opponent and tougher games. Yeah. I mean, what, what do we say? Ball don't lie. That's what, that's kind of what happened yesterday uh, in that game. But I game one was so disappointing because they, Obviously, in the first thing they should have gotten to Bieber. You get two in and have second and third, and nobody can make a productive out. That and then obviously again when Glaber hits that triple, nobody can make a productive out. Like I feel like that's been the thing the last couple of years with this Yankees team, especially come the postseason. It's like, can we make productive outs? Can we get you know the big hit with guys in scoring position, high leverage situations? Really hasn't been the case. That's why they've kind of come up short when they have. So. I agree with you. I think that that game might be one that, you know, three months from now we're looking back at it and we're like, God, that one sucked. Like we really should have won that game. But um, to battle back, win all four of these series to start this year. I mean, I know the Rays have started hot, but I don't, I, if I'm like, if I'm the Yankees, you cannot be mad about this start, especially the way that you, they won yesterday um, to battle there, just show some resilience, kind of like what the team did early last season when they started and insanely hot. They showed a ton of resilience over that stretch and really the first half of the season last year, just winning a ton of close games. Um, I think this this is a huge win. Eventually, Tampa Bay is not going to play the worst teams in baseball. Um, so to face this Guardians team who kind of been pests. I know the Yankees have won a bunch of series against them, but, you know, they're a, a pesky team. They don't hit a ton of home runs, but they get a bunch of base hits. They have a really good pitching staff. It's a team I'm not worried about, though, without Tristan McKenzie. I'm interested on your thoughts with that. I think, like, Bieber's going to be Bieber no matter what, but after him, they don't really have the starter where I'm like, the Yankees can't match up with this guy. So, And if we have Cole going against Bieber in a potential playoff series, like, I'll take my chances there. So, um, but yeah, I – huge huge series win to come out with with two or three after losing the first one yeah i'm i agree with you i'm I'm not worried about the team without tristan mckenzie necessarily and they don't print pitching quite as much as they used to you saw the next line of defense hunter gaddis and peyton battenfield like those guys coming up didn't necessarily strike fear into my heart i call this the most fun rivalry the yankees have right now and, and obviously that is colored by uh 
you know, perspective, the fact that the Yankees have matched up with them three times in the playoffs since 2017 and won all three. It's the anti-Astros. Uh, Yankees never get past the Astros, so everyone in America is going to say that's the best current Yankee rivalry. But for me, that one sucks. We never <laughs> win those. So I, I dis like I, I know what you're saying, but I disagree. Um, this one, it, there's always something going on. The Guardians are, are gnats. You're right. Um, like they, they don't go away. Quan is one of the best pure hitters in baseball. The metrics will disagree, but he's so tough to get out. Jose Ramirez is a top five hitter in the game of baseball. So whenever he comes up with runners on base, I think Josh Bell will find himself at some point and stop driving the ball into the ground, which he did all series. Andres Jimenez is extremely underrated. I just like playing this team. Um, but the fans, man, like another fan base that doesn't totally have the perspective yet. A lot of chirping this series about how like, Oh, this little team from Cleveland got under your skin with the Karen Jack celebration. And it's like, I mean, yes and no, I'm not thinking about them anymore. They were under my skin yesterday because we were playing them. Like just that one missing element of like, yeah, for the next couple of days, I hate you. But I'm talking about you because we're playing you. Like I'm, we're on to the twins now. I, I don't, we're recapping a series, but I'm not going to wake up Friday thinking about the Guardians. I am still checking Red Sox box scores to make sure they fucking lose. So <laughs> it, it's never going to be that. But when you're in the moment in the Thunderdome with the Guardians, some wonky stuff always happens, whether it is, you know, the Karen Jack debate. I'm curious how you feel. I think anybody, bottom line, I think anybody can celebrate the way he did, but I think I have every right to hate watching it. That's kind of where I land. Like, it sucked. To, you can do it, but I don't have to get on Twitter and be like, I applaud you, good sir. Like, too many Yankee fans were like, let him talk his shit. Like, He's going to do it whether I let him or not. So can I just say I didn't like it? I don't know. I think I think it's a it's a situation of like if that guy's on your team, you love him. And if he's not, you hate him. And that you're allowed to kind of have that that take. I mean, like I don't want to see him be fired up after getting out of that jam. Like I don't as a Yankee fan, I do not want to see that. But like if, you know, Michael King wants to do that after getting out of an eighth inning jam, like yeah. all for it. I think it's all all about the fan base. But I will – I. Want to talk about like Guardians fans saying like all oh, the under the Yankee skin in the playoff series last year too. We're hearing about all oh, this uh, small market team. We don't hit home runs. We get base hits. Like yeah, because your owners are cheap as hell and don't want to pay anybody. Like th- my whole thing in baseball just as a whole kind of has this this problem. It's like don't don't act like you can't spend the money every team in baseball all these billion dollar owners can spend the money it's just some of them don't want to and i that's why we have to give the yankees credit for you know what they do the mets credit for what they do the braves the dodgers the i mean even the red sox like you don't like nobody's telling you you can only spend 35 million dollars on your payroll you're choosing to do that so don't don't sing me this swan song over this this uh underrated underdog story like you traded away Francisco Lindor nobody told you you had to do that you decided to do that like that to me that gets under my skin more than like facing them I'm like that's like don't paint this false picture that you created this situation for yourself as a franchise so but I agree with you I'm not going to worry about the Guardians until we have to play them again like it's it's fine I'm the division especially with how good all five teams are this year like I'm that's all I'm really going to be worried about in the, the AL. I will not uh, subject myself to looking at anything Astros related until uh, it, the time comes. So, but yeah, I mean, 
it's a fun rivalry, especially because we're winning it. It kind of reminds me of the the Twins. That, I mean, still, we beat the Twins every time we play them in the playoffs. So, um, but yeah, Guardians fans, uh, I'll give Karen. You can celebrate the Karen Jack stuff, though. I will. I will give that. I would. I would celebrate if it was my guy. So yeah, and and I mean that that situation again. If you're if you're drawing up a platonic ideal for pitching, getting Judge and Rizzo and Stanton the way he did with the guy on third, no outs. Uh, you mentioned productive outs too. Kind of falling under the radar. That's the second time this year the Yankees have had Glaber on third with nobody out and couldn't score him. They did it in the Philly series too. Uh, in the bottom of the eighth, when they were only up two and throwing it to Clay Holmes in the wet winter weather, and I was kind of like, "That's going to loom large." But they won the game. Nobody thought about it again. Uh, but the productive outs thing—it's—it's it's very funny because that is something the Guardians do very well. It's something we do very poorly. And yet, game four last year, you have Josh Naylor celebrating the home run in a game they don't win. They go to New York. They're tweeting up a storm about how this is, you know, a scrappy brand of baseball. And Jacarlo Sand blows the doors off with a three-run home run in the first inning, and they never fight back. It's just like, all right, game over. Thank, yeah, you know, you hit a dinger. Best of luck to you. Um, so they're, they're missing that, that one, you know, that key element. Maybe Josh Bell's that guy, but not yet. Yeah, I, I, I'm there. Good baseball team. I think they win that division probably, but I just – at the end of the day for the Yankees, I think that you can't – as a franchise, the Yankees can't be worried about the Guardians, especially this year. If your focus is winning the World Series, like that's not the team that's going to be standing in your way. You, We all know the team that's going to be standing in their way, and, it's, and it also could potentially be the Tampa Bay Rays if they keep playing like this. But like, if you're struggling with the Guardians with the injuries that they have, not having Tristan McKenzie and who knows when he's going to come back, like – that would be a problem for the long-term outlook of, of this season. I, I want to touch on this just because uh, I don't want to let it go because I've never seen anything this absurd uh, in a regular season game in a while. They, they changed the rules this offseason so that managers were not allowed to stare at challenges anymore. You used to have all the time in the world. You used to be able to uh, send, you know, send a call up to your special guy and like give him 25 seconds to review all angles. Then you go back to the umpire and you go, all right, cool. Uh, this year you get 15 seconds. That's it. You make a decision, 15 seconds. If you haven't made a decision, you don't get to make a decision. Yesterday, the Guardians got two free runs off a reversal that occurred because I'm pretty sure the replay review operator decided to put the replay review graphic on the scoreboard before anybody called for it so that the crowd got to watch the play. The crowd got to see the play was called incorrectly and the crowd got to boo it, leading the umpires to get together and give Terry Francona a free challenge. Did they get the play right? Ultimately? Yes. That's no secret. Aaron Hicks is the worst and he dropped the ball (laughs) and the ball rolled around. And, and in a just world with no rules, the guardians would have scored that run and gotten a chance to score more runs. But in this world that we live in, governed by law you're not allowed to do what they did and and it clearly was the umpires reacting to the crowd the umpire said francona challenge francona said boone challenged and he didn't challenge it was a lie that's why it was such a big yankee win they lied the yankees came back and won the game and now it doesn't matter and it but the yes post game show yesterday was basically just jack curry and bob lorenz being like can we get back to that lie can we go back to the umpires creating rules? That was weird. Then they asked Boone about it. Boone was madder three hours after it happened than he was when it happened, when he got himself run. Um, 
you just hope to never see that in a game that really has some import and in a game where the Yankees lose by the margin of error there because the rules are explicit. They were not followed. And then MLB said they were. That would not happen to most other franchises. No, that the other thing is, too, is, is Francona saying that Boone – what was Aaron Boone challenging then? Like, why why would Aaron Boone have challenged the play if it was ruled an out like that? That, to me, I was like, I mean, Francona, that's just not – like, it, it makes zero sense. It was – the whole situation, I, I said earlier, the ball don't lie. Like, it was – the whole situation, it just felt like if the Yankees don't win this game, like, this is just going to leave the worst taste to end the series this way, like, in your mouth. So, the fact that they ended up winning the game, absolutely huge. Um I'm so ready to not ever see Aaron Hicks wear a Yankee uniform again. But, uh, I mean, it was just – and I, I do feel bad for Clark Schmidt in that spot too because yeah. it just kind of put him in a, a god-awful spot. And he's already been struggling this season. Like the last thing he needed to was have to come back out there and like you said earlier, like on no rest and just go and get out of this inning now. Like here we go. So um, absolutely huge to come away with that win but just – I don't know how that happens. That can't like that just cannot happen again. If you're gonna put in these rules and this early in the season, they're already not being followed. Like, when are we gonna start seeing the guy that managers just putting their hand up again and we're just waiting a minute and then oh no, now we'll review it. Like, what what are we doing? Yeah, let's ignore the pitch clock too. It, it would have been the first game ever won by a scoreboard operator, I think. Since <laughs> they're you with the manual scoreboards in the 40s, they used to do some sign stealing out there. They put guys with binoculars like behind the the blocks in the scoreboard. I feel like since 1951, a scoreboard has never won or lost a game for anybody. But we we almost saw it yesterday. I tell you, there was nothing harder than writing about the umpire getting drilled in the head without saying something like ball don't lie it was so hard <laughs> you had to just be like the umpire got hit in the head with a baseball the Yankees scored a run because of it we hope he's okay that's what happened um no all context is uh, obviously we wish him well but it yeah. was so difficult to be like so yeah a couple hours after the umpires gave Cleveland some free runs they got hit in the in the brain with a baseball and it gave the Yankees a run it was very hard not to draw the parallel yeah it's a uh... Kind of crazy how it's all, it's just so wild. That's also how the game went. But I mean, Yankees lucked out. They got, they got what they needed to win the game. So I'll take it. I honestly, all things considered, just an unbelievable series win. You look at that game. That game was dead in the water the second it started. The fact that they won, it's really insane. It's the, I've never seen anything like, um, the, the parallels in this series, uh, this one was dead in the water in the first inning and the Yankees won it anyway, right? Uh, game one, they have Bieber on the ropes. Second and third, no outs. He comes back and stops it. Game two, the Guardians have Garrett Cole on the same ropes. He gives yeah. up two runs. In the, nobody remembers it because it's an 11-2 win, but it's runners on the bases, runs in, no outs in the first, and then he doesn't give up anything else for seven. He Bieber have mirror image starts, and then uh, the third game is somehow the craziest of all. Yeah. Crazy, crazy series. Uh, hopefully they bring the same momentum home today to face their old friends, the Minnesota Twins. And if you're interested in that series and you're a new customer in the New York, New Jersey, or Connecticut area with DraftKings, uh, new customers only, again, we've got a code for you. Bet $5 on any sport. Get $150 in bonus bets if your bet wins with the code Yanks Go Yard No Spaces. I got to say this every time I bring it up, so I am going to speed read it. Minimum $5 deposit wager required. New customers only 21 plus present in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. Gambling problem? Call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. In New Jersey, it's 1-800-GAMBLER. 
in Connecticut, it's 888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat, see full terms at draftkins.com, or in the description below. Uh, let's talk injuries briefly. Um, I was hoping we'd have more of an update on Carlos Rodon at this point. Uh, this will not shock anyone who's ever followed this team. We just we don't know yet. Uh, he was supposed to throw a bullpen session on Monday, uh, and the, the bullpen session was supposed to mark basically the one-month mark before he would be back with the Yanks. I think we can wait that long comfortably, but not much longer. Uh, we found out earlier in the week he had some back sniffed it, stiffness that knocked him off a couple of days at least, said Boone. But then by end of that day, he was saying Rodon was going to throw a bullpen session on Wednesday. I'd love to know if he did. I still don't know that. Uh, Luis Severino threw one that went well. Both are apparently pain-free in the elbow and are just building back up Severino in the lat and Rodon in the elbow. Everybody's saying everybody's pain-free, but Rodon needs to go through a full spring training progression and Severino maybe something close to that, and they're never going to rush him because they never do. Um, I think, I, I don't know how you feel. I, I think we can continue to survive this until mid-May if we have to, but not much longer because, again, we were almost winless in Herman and Clark starts. You, you can't win a division at the beginning of the year, and the Rays will hopefully learn that at some point, but you can lose it. So you just can't continue to run out two losses per five-game stretch. Uh, you you got to eventually get that, um, you know, because eventually the, the other starters will start losing games too, uh, unfortunately. Like, Garrett Cole's not going to go uh, undefeated. Nesta Cortez is going to lose game at some point. So you don't want to run out two automatics. Uh, I think they can make it till mid-May, but beyond that, I'm pretty concerned. Yeah, I, th- I think the other concern, too, is just, like, is the bullpen going to hold up injury-wise as well the rest of this way? Like, we've already lost the wise guy. Now Canely's on the 60-day. Like, if they lose one more guy in that bullpen, too, like, now you're like, oh, my gosh. Like, we're just they're, – they're throwing guys out there. They're just kind of starving for, you know, can we get through every single game without, you know, somebody going down. I I want to be optimistic and say Herman and Clark Schmidt can be better, but it's just – so far, early returns has not been the case. Um, I think mid-May, you give yourself a month. Like like you said, you're not going to lose the division necessarily in this next month. You can put yourself at a little bit of a disadvantage. But uh, if you don't have one of these two guys back, it becomes a bit of concern. I am slightly optimistic. That I'd rather have them be out now than oh, yeah. August, September, obviously. Um, and the fact that they've started eight and four is like it's it's – positive sign but yeah you don't just for the the Rodone perspective too just with the forearm like I would love to see him back in mid-May because we know it's not as serious like super serious like that's that's the other thing that kind of concerns me with Severino like you never know he might go through a rehab start and it just might be see you later so I'm trying not to count on on him too much but they need Rodone back uh just because him and Cole that's an elite one two right there and then you can kind of piece together that four or five spot if Johnny Brito keeps pitching this well, you know, maybe Herman or Schmidt turns things around. But the longer you go with the amount of injuries they have at pitcher, it's just going to be harder to keep up this pace. Yeah, I'm enjoying the start, of course. But from an entertainment perspective, I was hoping to see, you know, right on. The point of the acquisition was to, to create this fearsome one, too. And also just to know on a daily basis, I'm waking up and I'm seeing Sevy, Rodon, Cole, Nestor, like, you know you're confident in whoever's on the bump. I'm confident in Johnny Brito. 
but there I was just sold a different bill of goods. So until we get to see all those guys working in unison and humming together, which hopefully comes sooner rather than later, I'm just going to feel a little bit, you know, less excited than I should have been. And and the Rays, uh, they're going to lose games at some point. Yankees Facebook has to come to this conclusion. Like uh, we mentioned that a lot of people are keeping track of the standings already on Yankees Facebook. Yankees Twitter, Yankees Facebook are two very different places. They're like four out on April 13th. I don't like it. It's like, I mean, I don't like the Rays being 12 and 0 either, but (laughs) when a team is 12 and 0, I think you got to stop checking the standings and you got to start measuring yourself against them. Uh, they're they're going to pick up some losses. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm rooting for them to lose baseball games, but there you can't, you can't get too caught up in it. And um, I mean, just that uh, one of the things we were going to, I was going to ask is they are playing the Red Sox this week. Sox lost first three Sox are up three, one now uh, live update. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't really root against the Rays against the Red Sox. I know, it's, I know I'm supposed to. I know the Rays are undefeated. Uh, I, I want to see the Red Sox take some more else. Yesterday when the Red Sox were coming back in that game, I was like, that that was the test. I was like, I, I still hope they lose. And they did. And I was like, great. Oh, the, my, my Rays are 12-0 and 0 now. Like, it, it's just, the, the rivalry doesn't die. Yeah, I'll, I will gladly take Red Sox losses any day of the week. I think the, the other thing about this Tampa Bay start they played nobody. I mean, they played the Tigers, the A's, and the Nationals. And, like, the Red Sox are not good. Objectively, coming into this year, like, every Yankee fan, we're always going to worry about the Red Sox. And just now, the Red Sox are not a good baseball team. Like, they don't have any pitching. Chris Sale's gotten hammered his first couple starts. They let Xander Bogarts walk. Like, they are not a good baseball team. So, Tampa Bay having the start, yeah, they way above expectations just because nobody ever starts 12-13-0. Like, sure. But – we watched the Yankees build this gigantic division lead last year, and we're sweating games in August and September. So I, I think the, the, like you said, Yankees Facebook, people checking the standings right now, like we have 150 games to play. So many things can happen over those 150 games. We were talking about this before the show. Jeffrey Springs got hurt today for the Rays. That's a big blow for them. Like there is so much time to get caught up in the standings right now. Is just too much. The key is like, can the Yankees continue to play good baseball? Can they keep winning series? Because you keep stacking up these series wins. And the next thing you know, you're going to be 10, 15, 20 games over 500. So that to me, especially with them being at less than full strength, like that's the concern. You can't, you can't control what the Rays are doing until you play them. So Right now, I wouldn't worry about – I'm not going to worry about them, but it is great to see the Red Sox losing games. I mean, I would love for them to come and last for the second straight year. I, I'm, like, partially rooting for the O's because I don't think they're going to be better than us, but I want them to be better than Boston. hundred percent. hundred percent. I was thinking about this last night just because I knew we were going to talk about this. There was a time when I was, like, a softie in, like, 2003 – where you know you're you're a Yankee fan, all you do is win championships, and all you do is end the Red Sox season. So even in the wake of the Aaron Boone homer, I'm celebrating like a madman. But I'm kind of starting to think like, man, it's been you know we're in the mid '80s of years here. I'm getting a little bit soft. And now that time has passed, I, I mean, I wish them nothing but ill will forever. I, I never want to see. I, I could do another 86 years. With, I don't. I don't give a shit. How much have you gotten in the last 20 years? Four titles to one. They've been the bully since 2004. We have not beaten them in a playoff series since 2004. Um, No amount of last place finishes will be enough for me at this point. And sometimes I would look at a a Boston fan and and think about, you know, when are you going to let, when are you going to soften up on the Yankees? When are you going to soften up on my team? Like, I know what it's like to have a team. I root for the Knicks. I know what it's like to have a team that's hopeless. 
Um, a, a team that's just nowhere close or when they get close, you know, they're not going to win the title. Um, the Knicks are just like a little appendage in New York. You, you don't watch the Knicks thinking these guys are going to be a ticket to a championship someday. You watch the Knicks to enjoy yourself. And then whenever their season ends, their season ends, those Red Sox fans for 86 years had the Celtics winning 20 titles and the Bruins being the most dynastic team in the seventies. And the Patriots won all those Super Bowls in, in, two, in the early 2000s before the Red Sox won a title. I shouldn't have even been soft back then. And you think I'm going to be soft now? No. 40 more years of last place finishes would not be enough. I will never relent on this. These people have 30 times the amount of things they should have right now. Yeah, and I also, I mean, part of it, just like the baseball fan in me, like, I just don't agree with what the Red Sox have done. Just no. like not paying your homegrown guys, like trading Mookie Betts, letting Xander walk, like, I want to see them fail doing this. Like they, what they're doing and like, I mean, we know that Henry's have billions and billions of dollars, like them trying to like small, be like not a small market, but like pinch pennies kind of at some of these corners. Like I don't want to see teams succeed doing that. And like, maybe that's the new school baseball. Like, like I, I don't know. You have billion dollar owners. Like we're all, the goal should be trying to win a championship every year. Like, you trade away Mookie Betts, like he was the MVP of the league. You let Xander Bogarts walk at 31 years old. Like, what are we doing here? Like, that's why that's why I was all about this offseason. Like, I don't care what it takes, bring Aaron Judge back. Like, yeah, maybe the last three years of his contract, he stinks. Who knows? But like, you're gonna let him walk after this? No, you can't, you can't let it happen. So I don't like the way the Red Sox have done it. You just don't like the Red Sox in general. So give me all the last place finishes. I hope they get swept by everybody. Get get them out of here. You got to wonder, I mean, it's got to bum Red Sox fans out that they hired the Connor Roy of the Tampa Bay Rays front office. They got the only one that doesn't know the secret sauce. Uh, Big bummer. Her sale has an 11.25 ERA. Whoops. Uh, And they also they also let uh, Franchi Cordero walk this offseason. He went to the Baltimore Orioles. They didn't they didn't think 400 in spring training was worth keeping him around. Uh, Yankees needed a solution right before opening day. They go with Franchi over Esteban Floreal. At the time, we go, oh, man, a bat-first guy with high exit velo who's never put it together, and he can't play the outfield as a defensive downgrade. Why are we shuttling people off the roster? Smash cut to, uh, is this the best Red Sox to Yankee of all time? Uh, maybe second best behind Babe Ruth. Four home runs so far on the season. The the rip against Trevor Steffen yesterday. 112.7 miles an hour off the bat, 439 feet out to right center field to tie the game. And uh, Esteban Floreal, would you look at that, is back at AAA. He cleared waivers. Nobody wanted him. So the Yankees now have both, and Franchi Cordero is a, he's a tough person to take off this roster, even when Harrison Bader is back. Um, Willie Calhoun goes down for somebody, but Josh Donaldson's coming back. To, I mean, they're going to have to make a decision. It's Franchi or IKF, Franchi or Hicks. Like, what are you going to do? Franchi gets the reps now. Why would Hicks stay? I, that's, that's, I agree. I, I've been saying this in spring training. You got to pay him anyway. DFA Aaron Hicks and Josh Donaldson. Don't put, keep them on this roster. What are we, what are we doing this for? Like, it is so obvious. One, the Aaron Hicks is fed up because he's not playing every day. And two, the Yankees really don't want to play Aaron Hicks. The only reason they're playing him is because he's getting paid $70 million. That's the only reason he's on this roster. And at this point, like, you're going to pay these guys anyway. If you're going to pay them not to play, like, Donaldson, maybe it's a different scenario because it's the last year of his deal. But I think that almost gives it more of a reason to, if he's not producing, get him out of here. It's off the books at the end of the year anyway. What do we care? Um, and yeah, if Cordero's going to hit, like, 
why not? I feel like he's done more in this two-week span than uh, Jacoby Ellsbury did as a Yankee. Like, it's kind of that he's already up above him on the Yankee Red Sox uh, the duo list there. So I, I don't see why not. you got to ride the hot bat. I think, like, what they did a few years ago when everybody was hurt and they had, like, the Cameron Maben team and they just had a bunch of guys who, like, kind of had no business being there, but, like, they were winning ball games because of it, like – why not do that with some of these guys with a guy like Cordero? Like I, I don't see the, the harm in it. They kind of did it with Trevino last year. Like nobody expected Jose Trevino to be an all-star and it worked out. Like we know what Aaron Hicks is. We know what Josh Donaldson is like Willie Calhoun. Yeah. You can send him down, but like there's no reason to keep the, to like keep these guys on the roster and just eat up a roster spot. When at the end of the day, Aaron Boone's going to fill out his lineup card. And like, he's probably like in excruciating pain, writing Aaron Hicks left field in there every single time. Like there's no way he's like enjoying doing that. So I don't know. You just got to cut your losses. Like Brian Cashman can save face another day. Like let's cut the losses. And you know, Hicks doesn't really even seem to appreciate it when he comes in. He, he's he's loping around center. He gets to play center field yesterday for the New York Yankees. He's loping around. The ball finds him three times in a row. He handles one of the three. Catch probability is like a coin flip on all three of those. And he goes well, he goes 33% um, and, and helps unravel that inning. He's Yeah, he's, he's a joy to watch. Uh, more Aaron Hicks, please. Um, in 2019, you know, the, the injuries helped them sort that out, right? It seemed like every time they had to make a tough decision – Somebody else got hurt, and it was like, all right, well, I guess we don't have to. Maybe DJ LeMayhew, who's day-to-day right now with some sort of tightness. Maybe they played safe with him, and they put him on the aisle. I hope they don't, but uh, injuries continue to sort of push these tough decisions down the line, or at least they did four years ago, and maybe this year is, is going to be more of the same. Yeah, I think at some point, like, just naturally, like, Stanton's probably going to find his way to the IL. Just It just happens. Um like you said, LeMay, you probably will at some point. But, I mean, you also is like, I would rather see Cordero and even Willie Calhoun. And to be honest, I'd rather see IKF get some of these opportunities over Donaldson and um, and Hicks. Like, I, it's just there's only so many times you can do it. Like, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. Like, this is what year four of Aaron, year three of Aaron Hicks being god awful. Him like not making routine play, like plays that should be routine. Like those balls that he didn't get to yesterday, Harrison Bader gets to all three of those, no question. So it's like, what are we keeping him here for? Because he's not even a serviceable replacement for the guy that you need him to replace. I I get the money issue. I understand that's like from the franchise's perspective, it's tough to just cut losses with that, but. If you're trying to build a winning baseball team, like at the end of the day, if they get to the, and this is way further down the road, you get to the postseason roster. Who wants Aaron Hicks on this postseason roster? They didn't want him on the postseason roster last year. So what makes you think you want him this year? I just, to me, it's, it's, uh, if they, if you give up on a guy like Cordero or you send him down, you, cause you have to, like, the fact that they're able to get Floreal back, like they've already made a tough decision. I I didn't want them to see them DFA Floreal because you could have lost them. They did it last year with Anduhar, and like Anduhar can't play a position, so it's fine. But like you put yourself in this position where it's like there are guys who are more productive that maybe just don't exactly fit what you want to do. Like Anduhar was a more productive hitter last year than Aaron Hicks was when he was on the roster. He just couldn't play anywhere. So it's like, why are we just doing this for the sake of doing it? I. I would hope that they they come to their senses. Maybe somebody makes up a fluke injury for Donaldson. He's on the 60-day. Like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I would hope that they don't send Cordero down if he keeps hitting like this. 
Yeah, I think we're probably going to escape it. What did Aaron Hicks do when they put him on the postseason roster last year, too? He ran knee first into an infielder and almost blew up a game five and, and got himself knocked out for the whole rest of the playoffs. Uh, he brings nothing. He's a chaos agent. He brings nothing but chaos wherever he goes. Then he gives an, an interview after sucking that's like, I wish I got more of an opportunity. What can I say? It's like, okay, great. Thanks, buddy. Um, yeah, it's more, it's more of the same and hopefully less of the same moving forward. Uh, eight and four start, though. Three series wins, followed by a fourth and a big one in Cleveland. And now they're coming back home to face the Twins. The Blue Jays find their way into this long homestand. This is where it gets fun. Keep differentiating yourselves from the pack and hope the Rays lose. Although, of course, the Rays have already tied up the Boston Red Sox. <laughs> we were uh, we were talking about the Rays losing, and eh, not so much anymore. 3-3 three, three and runners on base. What can you do? Uh, but until next time, I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. We thank you all for watching us today, for commenting along. Drunk, I'm sorry I couldn't answer your trivia question. I wish I knew, but we never lead the league in home runs. I mean, Tino Martinez led the 98 Yankees with like 25. I feel like, I think Tino led the AL in 97. I could be wrong. Um, and then maybe it was like a Maris before then. Uh, honestly, I don't know if we led the AL in home runs in that entire gap. Maybe Reggie did it. Um, I don't know, Peter, if you have any thoughts. Was it maybe an A-Rod year? Was there ever, was oh, there ever yeah, been an yeah. A-Rod year? I'm sure it been. Could have been a year. Maybe one of his 50 years, possibly. Yeah, I think the, the 57 had to have led the American League home runs. I'm, I'm going to Google that just because I'm mad now. Um, 54, yeah. He, he led him in 2007. So A-Rod's up there, too. Um, but, yeah, everybody keep pondering that trivia question. Uh, you can find us live on Twitter uh, and YouTube Mondays and Thursdays, 2 o'clock Eastern time every week. Potentially more than that. We got to go live for a major Ted poll event. We certainly will. Um, and again, you can find me on Twitter at the handle below. You can find us at Yanks Goat Yard FS. It's a fun place to talk sports. It's a fun place to got a lot of Guardians followers this week. Not sure I like that. I don't think I'm gonna really enjoy seeing those folks around. But they did join the fray, and we thank all of our followers, no matter which team they root for. Peter, uh, thanks for joining, man. And uh, where can uh, where can the folks find you? Your content, uh, your social, what social handles do you want to promote? Uh, I don't know if you do TikToks. Uh, drop it all. This is Plug Central. Where where will people find you? Yes, sir. So I appreciate you guys having me on. You can find me on TikTok, on Twitter, on Instagram at Peter Dewey too, right there. Um, a lot of NBA content for me, but also a uh, big baseball guy. Definitely going to be doing a lot of Yankee stuff. Um, hopefully, we get to join the show with Adam a couple more times throughout the the season. So um, appreciate you guys having me on. This was a blast. This was a blast. Uh, put in a put a bow on it. The Jeffrey Springs injury is left arm ulnar neuritis. Uh, so the Rays have invented another injury, but that one sounds pretty bad. Not good. Not, Not good. good. Um, well, we'll see everybody on Monday. Peter, thanks again, man. This was great. Um, and why don't we uh, let's take it to the Minnesota Twins one more time? How about that? And if not, um, well, we'll come up with some excuses on Monday's show. But so far, so good. From the New York Yankees. We'll see everybody next. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.